Welcome to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Today, we have a return visit from one of my favorite guests of all time. Dr. Kennery Webb is founder of Health and Harmony, a nonprofit that works to heal both humans and the rainforests where they live. She is a graduate of the Yale School of Medicine, so she has some local ties to Connecticut. She has also just published a memoir, Guardians of the Trees, a journey of hope through healing the planet. Welcome, Kennery. It's great to have you back. Thanks, Linda. It's so great to be here. It's really so, fun to be on it before, and here we are again. Right, right, exactly. And I'm, I'm just going to start by asking you to give us a brief outline of Health and Harmony, this amazing organization you started, um, including your story of how you first went to Borneo thinking you'd become a forest ecologist, not a medical doctor. So I'll start with just a kind of overview, which is that what we do is we listen to rainforest communities, we call it radical listening, and we implement precisely the solutions that they determine that they would need for protecting forest and thriving more themselves. This is really a planetary health approach. And I, I began to see this interconnection between human health and environmental health when I spent a year in the rainforest in Borneo studying orangutans as an undergraduate. And there discovered that people were logging to pay for healthcare. And that, that truth just shocked the core of my being, that people um, really had no choice, that they were in a catch-22 that they really loved the forest, they recognized that the forest was essential for their current well-being and their future well-being. But when, you know, when someone in your family needs a C-section or your child is extremely sick, you will do whatever it takes to get the cash to pay for healthcare, including destroy the future for that child and for your own, you know, make your own future less healthy. So I really wanted to, I had never at that time, I mean, the, even the concept of planetary health was, didn't really exist. And I didn't really hear people talking about how we needed to marry both human health and, and environmental health. Um, but the communities where I was working understood this without question, right? It was completely and totally obvious to them. So I ended up going to medical school um, and went back to work together with these communities to work towards a healthy planet for all of us. And so when you, you were saying that they were uh, having to log to cut down the forest, um, just if you could share a couple little stories about some of the, some of the families, some of the people that you met there and uh, you know, how setting up the clinic that you set up there by the, uh, I don't know if it was inside the national park or on the, right outside the national park and, and what kind of you know, concrete difference that made for some of those people. Yeah, well, it, it's really, you know, it's kind of strange to say this, but I don't know that this program didn't impact anyone who lived around the park. And so it was right on the edge of the national park. There's a population of about 120,000 people who live around this national park. The carbon in that forest alone, which is not the only value of rainforests, you know, half the world's biodiversity, very important for water cycling, et cetera. But the carbon alone in that forest is equal to 14 
15 years of carbon emissions from San Francisco. So I will tell you a story about a man who I met uh, very early on and he um, cut down 60 giant rainforest trees to pay for a C-section. You know, that I could totally understand that. I just recently had a C-section. I get it why people would, um, why my family would do whatever it took to get me the care that I needed. But he also understood that this was uh, also his future well-being. And, and though many of those trees were actually durian trees, which is uh, a fruit tree that they harvest from the forest. Um, so he like fully understood that this damaged his future well-being. So if you look at the course of our program, over the first 10 years, there was a 90% drop in logging households. Now, this man specifically did not stop during those 10 years. He still was occasionally logging and he owned a chainsaw. He was also one of the unusual people in this region who didn't own land. Most people owned land. And one of the other um, thank yous, I call it from the world community that people ask for in addition to healthcare was um, training in organic farming. So many, many people had switched to organic farming and that had worked really well. But this man didn't own land where he could organically farm. And so he still, when there was a crisis or when there was something they really needed, they still would rely on some logging. So we knew that there were people like this. There was not that many of them, but they did exist. And so we, um, Monica Nirmala, who was the executive director of our program, um, this staff's 100% Indonesian of our program there. Um, she now actually works at the Ministry of Health, but she invented uh, this community in conjunct this the solution for these final loggers in, in coordination with the community. And what they do is called, we, they invented was called the chainsaw buyback program. So they would give their chainsaw, we would buy it from them. We're now making like, uh, uh, sculptures made from these chainsaws. And then we would also contribute a portion of money towards a, more like angel investing, which is to say if their business failed, then we also lost the money. But uh, if it was successful, they would slowly pay back the money and we could use it to buy more chainsaws. We would buy chainsaws from folks who were ready to do this chainsaw buyback program. So the, the, the husband and the wife would both start a business. And in this case, this family started a little uh, kind of roadside grocery store, you know, like a little stall that uh, would sell basic supplies. And they did incredibly well. And in fact, they were the first family to pay back the, their entire, our entire investment in their business. So that's just a small example of how people moved from destructive practices towards thriving practices. And like this little small roadside stall would sell lots of the organic produce that other uh, previous loggers uh, had been you know, making. So yeah, yeah. It's different solutions for different kinds of problems. Um, I'm speaking with Dr. Kennery Webb, who's author of the new memoir, Guardians of the Trees, A Journey of Hope Through Healing the Planet. You know, one of the things I loved about your book is the way you described your encounters with the rainforest in Borneo as healing on so many levels, personal, community-based, and, and global. Um, and you, you talked about that a little bit, but talk about that a little more. And if you want to tell any of the stories from the book about sort of almost like a transformation that you had while you were there. Wow. Well, 
in so many different ways. I, I just feel like being in the rainforest is, for me first, I had to do so much processing of the trauma from my own life and the kind of generational trauma that every single one of us on this planet has been exposed to. And all these memories and all this stuff just came up constantly when I was in the forest. It's like being on, it was like being on a year long silent retreat, you know, really, really intense. <laughs> Going to live in a cave as a monk or something, right? Uh, but then after a while, those kind of calmed. It was very difficult and it was a lot of trauma dealing with all that. But once it kind of calmed, I was able to be present in the forest in a really profound way that that was so healing. And so it helped me begin to really look at the fundamental truths of existence. Let me, let me I'll just put it that way. And that we are all interconnected, that we are all one. That we can't separate our own well-being from the well-being of the forest, from the well-being of the air, from the well-being of the earth, from the well-being of each other. And I, you know, that's something that most indigenous communities know. And possibly from spending a lot of time in nature. And I I think that it's something that often in folks who spend a lot of time indoors in concrete spaces they tend to forget that and think of themselves as more individual. But I sure hope the pandemic has taught us all how much that is not true. Yeah, and one thing the pandemic has definitely done even here in Connecticut is get people outside a lot more. I mean, the, the state yeah. parks are just, the, the state park nearest me, which is a gem, um, is mobbed. You can't, you can't, yeah. on weekends you can't even park there, even in the cold weather, you know, which is, which is great because the more people who go and love it and, you know, care for it, just like, yeah. you know, in the rainforest, they, they care for it because they know that it, they depend on it. And everywhere in the world, communities are the best stewards of the land. Well, can be, right? Can also be destructive. Um, but the more we know ecosystems, the more we love them, um, the better we are at protecting them. You know, and of course, there's all the commodity-driven destruction of the forest as well. And I'm so grateful that there are lots of organizations that work on, on that side. But there's a very significant portion of the loss of carbon in the tropics is also due to communities who want to protect the forest, just don't have the capacity to do so. So that's what we, we say, hey, what do you need as a thank you from the world? So you can protect the forest and you can thrive. And this works really well, dramatically well. In our first site, uh, over 10 years, we invested $5 million, 5.2. Uh, and the communities just in averted carbon loss, just in the primary forest, gave back $65.3 million worth of car with averted carbon loss. And that's just the primary forest, it didn't account for 52,000 acres of rainforest group that grew back, nor did it account for the dramatic improvements in community well-being, particularly in the realm of health. 
Wow, and you just answered my next question before I got to ask it, which was, you know, what we hear about all the time is this wholesale destruction of the rainforest to plant palm oil plantations. And it's it's maddening, it's heartbreaking, it's and it seems to cover, you know, so much of, of, of the land there. And so that was a question I had is how much of of the forest it is being taken down by, you know, by residents, by people that you work with. And it seemed like it would be a much higher percentage would be coming from these big multinational companies. Um, but are you saying that's not really the case? It's more, but it's not, it's not actually dramatically more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The data is not great because it's hard to know exactly what uh, the causes are on the ground in every single space. Um, but 68% uh, of the loss of carbon in the tropics is actually from degradation. And a lot of that is logging. Not all of it, you know, some of it is other um, uh, causes of the loss of forest and some of it is edge effects where land has been cleared, but you know, it's, it's not insignificant. And, and of course, community is also clear forest as well. So I really believe there must be a two-pronged approach. Um, and that, and of course, then the other thing is just to recognize is that indigenous communities, particularly in the Amazon are by far the best protectors of the forest. And um, so, and, and many traditional communities as well. So thanking them for what they're doing for the planet is also really critical. You know, we tend to forget how interrelated the world is, but the forests in actually across the tropics create rain in the Northern hemisphere. So particularly for North America, for the United States, um, it's the forest in the Amazon and the forest in uh, the Congo basin dramatically impact rainfall. I live in California at the moment, as you may have heard, you know, there are massive fires out here um, for over the last few years. And that also is partly to do with the drought. So it's all, and that drought is partly to do from loss of forest in the tropics. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, I've heard two things. I've heard that we're on, that uh, the Amazon is on the verge of becoming, instead of a net uh, carbon sink, a net carbon emitter. And then I've also heard that it actually has already happened. Um, I don't know what, how much you know about the rainforest in the Amazon, but um, it, it's, it's pretty bad. And um, can you say anything about that? Yeah, we are actually working in the Amazon as well. We're working in the Shingu Basin now, as well as in Madagascar. Uh, we're really looking to scale this model uh, pantropically. And uh, yes, absolutely. We, you know, some some data shows that it's already a net emitter from carbon loss from the loss of forest, right? So the logging releases uh, and the burning releases uh, carbon, but that can quickly reverse, as we've seen at Gunung if the forest is allowed to recover. Um, and you know that's why it's so essential for us to send thank yous to communities that are protecting the forest because they are, our survival as a human species is dependent on it. The, the area where we work in the Amazon basin called the Shingu Basin, Brazil, um, has about 20,000 people. It's the size of the UK. And 
those 20,000 people are some of the most important people on the planet, right? Because they are protecting this enormous piece of land, which is also generates rain for the rest of the Amazon. That's what they talk about, these tipping points that if you lose too much of the forest, then it doesn't generate rain for the rest of the forest. But I am not actually on the side of this is hopeless. And I know it is very traumatic. I just read a um, article that uh, more than 70% of youth in the United States are really traumatized by climate change and terrified of the future. And I want people to know that there is hope that, and that that hope is not complicated. That hope is simple. Listen to the wisdom and the knowledge of local communities, implement precisely their solutions, and things can reverse very, very quickly. So I, I really want, um, I want everyone to know that we can turn this around. It requires doing it in an anti-colonial approach. It requires truly recognizing that outsiders are never gonna know the solutions. And it requires transferring some wealth back to communities who've had wealth stolen from them for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, so true. Um, you're listening to Dr. Kennery Webb, who is founder of the health and environmental nonprofit, Health in Harmony, and author of a new memoir. And um, I, I wanted to, your memoir reveals one of the most vulnerable voices that I've ever encountered in this genre. And I read a lot of them. That's one of my favorite uh, kinds of books to read. Um, it was so intimate that at times I felt like I was peeping into your diary. Um, and I don't know if other people felt that way, but how, how did you decide, how and why did you decide to be so open about your life and your struggles? You know, initially I didn't want to. Initially I just thought, I'll just tell the story of the program. But I found that I couldn't really do that because I, it didn't make sense the decisions I'd made without knowing why I'd made them and the struggles I was going through. And, you know, I, I reveal in there um, some real challenges with um, my co-founder, Hotline Ompasungu. And she is just this remarkable, amazing woman who is so committed to Indonesia and to the communities. And I had to deal with my own colonialism, with the way that the world was seeing it as the work that I was doing when that was not the case. And I wanted to reveal that stuff because that healing that I had to do is important for the healing. I think it's important for other healing, right? And I realized that, you know, many of the, we cannot do the community healing and the global healing without doing the personal healing. And the more I got into the story, the more I realized they are completely inseparable hmm. for all of us, right? And so I, I, I felt like it was worth it to reveal some of these very personal things in order to help build that, that story, that truth of what healing means. Yeah. Yeah. And I, let me just put in a, a plug, another plug. I guess it's obvious. I think it's um, a really interesting and 
worthwhile book. It's a real page turner, and I hope a lot of people will read it. It's called Guardians of the Trees, A Journey of Hope Through Healing the Planet. Um, you Speaking of healing, uh, the story of your encounter with, uh, was it a box jellyfish, was so horrific. I don't like them anyway. That's one of the reasons I don't swim in the ocean. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like fresh water myself. But um, uh, it's just, if you could talk about that, and, and it sounds like basically it happened because you didn't listen to the local people who apparently, you know, they kept telling you not to swim in a certain place, but maybe they didn't explain why they just said, you know, don't, don't swim there or whatever. And you, you did, and you almost died. So just tell that story and, and how you're doing now. Cause I know it, it's, it was a very long recovery. Yeah, it is, you know, I always found it very funny because in, in this, you know, I was always this proponent of radical listening, but when people said, oh, don't swim because of the umpi, which I translated that word to mean jellyfish, which it does mean jellyfish. Uh, but I thought they meant the moon jellies, which were fairly common and kind of irritating, but not that bad. But no, they did not mean that. They're like, no, 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 those are obo obo. <laughs> we, we don't worry about those. Umpai, and what they were talking about were the box jellyfish, and they will kill you. And I was stung, and um, and it was the most excruciating pain imaginable. I had a child this year uh, after I I had him, my my father, and I was in labor for two weeks. And so it was like a pretty serious labor, and my and my father asked which one was worse the jellyfish or the or the labor I was like oh no question hands down the jellyfish much 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 worse wow <laughs> it was because every muscle in my body was contracting the way my uterus was in labor and and it was also attacking my heart because there's um there's both neurotoxins and cardiac toxins in the box jellyfish so I was dying. I mean, everyone thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I, that's the highest probability. Dying in the most excruciating pain imaginable. And it was transcendent. It was the most exquisitely beautiful experience in a very strange way. I could see death so close. And I just, it just, all of my worries about my life, all the ways that I felt that I was inadequate, they just fell away. I, you know, each one of us is exactly the way we are supposed to be. Each one of us is exquisitely perfect. And that fundamental truth just, just was so obvious at them in those last moments. And obviously I didn't die, uh, although I almost did. And then I spent uh, four years very, very sick, two years pretty primarily in bed. Um, I'm pretty much better. There's still some slight uh, neurologic um, remains of that, but it's mostly I'm better now, 11 years later. <laughs> what a, that's just incredible. I just, it's hard to even imagine how, how it must have felt. I mean, you did a good job, of, I thought, of describing it, especially your heart, uh, you know, pretty much, 
pretty much stopping or close to it. And so after that, well, I don't know how, if you were recovering so long, did you ever go swimming anywhere around Borneo again or not? No, not in, not in those waters. Mm -hmm. I would, yeah, nope, no way. But I I did swim in Bali once uh, a few times actually, but I was pretty nervous about it. (laughs) So it kind of wouldn't be that enjoyable, I guess, if you're yeah. so worried about getting a possible bite by any kind of a jellyfish, I suppose. But, well, glad glad that you survived. Very glad that you survived. Um, we just have a few minutes left, and and um, I just like to give you uh, an opportunity to talk about anything that you want listeners to know about the work that you're doing now, and and you know even if how people can support uh, support that work. Just uh, give us a minute or two of. Uh, final thoughts? Well, we, I would, first of all, I would just say, please partner with these rainforest communities in whatever way you do it. The rainforests are the most important ecosystems on the planet. And in the triage of the health of our planet, we need to think about those forests first. Um, Health and Harmony, uh, healthandharmony.org. You can partner directly with these communities. Uh, through our organization, but I'm actually working on a system where you can partner with many, many organizations all across the tropics that'll be launched soon called the Rainforest Exchange. And of course, buy my book, check it out, see what you think. Um, And I, you know, as I talk about in my book, I truly believe that every single one of us has something to give to the solution of a healthy planet. And I hope that that book will motivate you to see that truth and to really go deep and figure out what is your role? Because I know everyone has one. And author of a new memoir, which is really wonderful, called Guardians of the Trees, A Journey of Hope Through Healing the Planet. And uh, you've been listening to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment with your host, Melinda Tuhus. And uh, I hope you'll tune in every second Saturday of the month here on WPKN 89.5 FM at 9.30 a.m. for more environmental news you can use. And thank you so much for being with us on the show again, Kennery, and best of luck in your work and your life. Thank you so much. It's my delight. I've been speaking with Dr. Kennery Webb, who is the founder of a nonprofit called Health and Harmony, which addresses the health needs of both humans and the rainforests where they live. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.